2: It is a Saturday. Some showers and thunderstorms out and about. Steve Thompson in. Josh Wheeler is our producer. Twins and White Sox tonight. Our pregame show at 5:30 with the lineup card. First pitch at 6:10. Twins won big on Friday night, nine to four. They club four home runs. Monster nights from Byron Buxton and Alex Kirilov. Twins win. And they continue their solid play coming out of the All-Star break. And uh, the White Sox, it's been a struggle this year, and hopefully the Twins will uh, continue to keep uh, the team from Chicago struggling. Right now we're going to go outdoors. Steve Carney joins us, com. Steve-O, how you been? Been okay,
3: Steve. You know, the Twins are struggling, and us fishermen out there, we're struggling too. It's your typical end of July, kind of tough going. Um, the heat hasn't helped, but you know, this is not unusual. We always kind of whine about this, about this time of the year, don't we?
2: Yeah. Get into the dog days a little bit. We have a hot week the way it looks coming up. What do you expect that to do to fishing? Probably not helping much.
3: No, you know, there's not much you can do about it. The water temperatures are, you know, sky high and they have been for a couple of weeks. And, you know, the bass fishing has really been pretty good. I've been kind of switching to the bass and, They've been very reliable and, you know, easy to catch, but, you know, the walleye crappie thing has really changed, and, you know, they're moving in so many different directions. They're not really on the weed lines anymore. They're suspended out in deeper water, and, you know, it's a struggle to find them. It's a struggle to catch them, but, um, you know, that's the way it is at this time of the year, but, you know, you can always trailer to other places. You know, Lake of the Woods is going really well right now. Devil's Lake is just unbelievable right now, and, you know, St. Croix River has been okay. Um, So, you know, if you don't mind trailering, it's, uh, you know, you can go to the fish. But right now in Lakes Country, things are, you know, pretty well shut down. And um, what I've been doing in the morning, Steve, kind of interesting, when it's dead calm in the morning, I get out at first light, and then I look on the surface, and I watch for minnows. And you're going to see big pods of young of the year minnows and perch that have just been hatched, and they're right on the surface, and you'll see predator fish like walleyes and crappies, northern pike, will be attacking those pods, and you can see those minnows jumping out of the water and trying to get out of the way, and that's sort of an indication that, you know, there's some feeding going on there, so I kind of key on those mornings when you see that type of activity, and you can flip a, you know, a slip bobber up there, you can throw a swim bait up there and drop it right in the middle of them, and it can be really good, and you just kind of move from, you know, little pod to pod, and that's uh, been working really well in the mornings, especially you know right when the sun's coming up.
2: and Stephen, I wanted to jump back to uh, going after the bass. I, I I don't think you know we we take enough credit in this part of the world, but there there is some great bass fisheries, and it it, it can really be a lot of fun.
3: You know, I I can tell, Steve, when I get people up from, like, Georgia and, you know, Florida and Texas, and they come up here, and they're just amazed at how good our bass fishing is. And, you know, I think a lot of it's got to do with, you know, catch and release is a big thing with bass. And, you know, we release almost everything up here, and our growing season is, you know, quite a bit slower than down south, so we don't really have the big bass like they have down there. But we have great numbers, great action and they're just so impressed when they come up here. We have so many lakes with such good bass fishing so right now you know this is really prime time and you know when I'm fishing a lot of lakes I try to fish a lake that's got good walleye potential and bass potential and then throw a bait like a swim bait, uh, jig and worms, something that you know is kind of a multi-species bait and you can catch some walleyes while you're bass fishing and you know, that's a real bonus when you bring in a walleye when you're bass fishing. So, you know, you just got to pick the right lake and, you know, do your research and try to do that, you know, try to double team them. And it's just really kind of a fun way to fish.
2: Steve Carney joining us, Steve Carney Outdoors. Steve, what's the plan? Uh, Hot weather moving in, I suppose. It's still just get out there early and see what she can do early
3: yeah you have to go early steve i mean you just do you just bake in the afternoons and you know the fishing yeah. really slows down after that sun gets up about nine thirty, ten thirty in the morning and things really shut down and i just tell people you want to be on the water right when the sun's coming up and try to get four or five hours in before it gets you know so discomforting you can't handle it but you know it's going to be that way for a while and with the 90s coming you're going to you know really have to get out in the morning and you know i just looked at my calendar steve and game fair is like two and a half weeks away if you can believe that
2: wow no i can't <laughs> you know you, it, it's crazy how, yeah it, it it's crazy you get to the fourth of july and it's just gone in a blur you, you brought up game fair and on the heels of that is the state fair it's not that far away Well, you know,
3: I'm already, you know, thinking about moving some deer stands already, and you know, it's hard to believe it's 90 degrees, (laughs) and you're thinking about bow hunting in the fall, but, you know, now is really the time to do your scouting and getting your salt blocks out there, getting your stands up, and, you know, dove hunting is about four and a half weeks away, and then things really take off, and the early teal season is shortly after that, so, you know, the hunting people out there got to start thinking about that and making preparations, and, you know, that's... That's coming soon. I mean, and then, of course, the really good fall fishing starts about that time, too. So we just have to suffer through the next, you know, three, four weeks. And, you know, hopefully things will cool off and things will change. But, you know, the bright thing is it's going to get better. You just got to tough it out through these hot days. You know, in August is, you know, a very tough month for fishing. But tough that, you know, tough it out in September and October gets just better.
2: You know, it's funny, Steve, we we get into the fall and you'll be in that mode where you're getting about two or three hours of sleep a night because it is (laughs) definitely gold time for you. Well,
3: I'm resting today, Steve. I need to take a break and I've been on the (laughs) water almost every day this week and today is kind of my rest day and try to do that on weekends, get my sleep and, you know, eat a lot of venison, a lot of fish and, you know, eat quality food and get good sleep and then you can kind of rebound and... That's just, you know, at my age, it's like good food, a lot of sleep, and you can still do what you've always done. you just got to get those two main ingredients and stay away from, you know, bad food and carbohydrates and chips and pizza that everybody likes and try to stick to the really good protein staples, and that's really uh, sustained my ability to keep doing what I'm doing. So I'm very blessed and very fortunate.
2: Yeah, I, I I'm bummed. I, I had pizza uh for dinner on Friday night and I had some chips <laughs> for lunch today. I knew you were. I say that. <laughs> I knew yeah, you were so I'm say I, that. I, I'm <laughs> I'm in a world of hurt, Steve. Um <laughs> all right, we'll 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 do it again in a week.
3: All right, Steve. Take care, man. Take care,
2: man. All right, there he is, Steve Carney, Steve dot com. By the way, our outdoors coverage follows uh, the Twins White Sox finale on Sunday afternoon. It'll be Rob line from the Outdoor News, a full hour on Sunday between 5 and 6 here on News Talk. 830-WCCO. Weather's been a little bumpy on this Saturday afternoon. Hopefully things are going to clear up in time for the Twins and the White Sox tonight at Target Field. Uh, coverage begins at 5.30 with the lineup card. A little bit earlier we'll visit with Bobby Nightingale from the Star Tribune at about 4 or 5 10 today to get you set for that Twins won 9 to 4 Byron Buxton Alex Kirillov had big games for that Twins victory last night once again the final 9 to 4 is a cruise to a victory there and then the, the series finale uh tomorrow uh so the so the Twins uh made up some ground and Playing pretty well out of the All-Star break. Big event coming to the TPC of the Twin Cities next week. It is the 3M Open, and uh, the, the field is is getting better and better because of some of the players that maybe struggled at the British Open. We're headed to the final round, and uh, Brian Harmon is playing great golf and has a five-shot lead heading into the final round at... Hoy lake and to talk a little golf jace frederick from the pioneer press uh jace covers the Timberwolves in the winter months but uh covers a lot of other sports at the pioneer press and online at twin com. and uh jace the 3m open got a big boost didn't they
4: yeah uh, i think for sure especially here in this last week um obviously justin thomas was the big commit who came in on friday i think he actually committed on thursday um I don't know what he would have done if he was going to make the cut at the open, but after he fired that first round 82, he knew he wasn't going to. And I think they've got the call shortly after that from his people that he was committing to Blaine. And that's obviously like one of the marquee names on tour. Um, so for him to make his first trip to Blaine, he hasn't been here before, uh, it's a pretty big boon for the tournament.
2: Yeah, and here, here's a guy. And, and there are a number of players that, that go through this. You know, they're on top of the world, and then they lose their game. Uh, Jason Day, who's been on the leaderboard at the Open Championship, um, Ricky Fowler is another guy who you know kind of went into the valley and got back to the top of the mountain with a win. I mean, it it happens even to the top players in the world. And now Thomas comes in here, you know, needing some pretty good stuff in the final regular tour events to just make uh, the FedEx Cup playoffs.
4: Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's pretty well documented on tour that Justin Thomas is really good friends with Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth. They're about in the same age range, and you're right, Ricky Fowler has went through a a pretty well-documented recent struggle um, that he's finally come out of now, and like you said, he won on tour. He almost won the U.S. Open, uh, competed a lot this year. Even Jordan Spieth a couple years back was really had uh, some tough goings, And, and he's come out of that and has once again, return to being an elite player. So, like, there are certainly peaks and valleys for a lot of guys. Uh, it's golf's hard, and you can lose things pretty easily. Just a little tweak here or there, and, and you're kind of off the rails. And for Thomas, like, it's been a rough year, obviously. That's why he's outside of that top 70 for the playoffs. But, you know, he still, like, a, finished ninth. I think he's so like, a 62 at the Travelers Championship. And, and even Friday at the Open, he shot an even par round, and that was a good score on Friday after his – terrible performance thursday so he's certainly a talented guy and i think there's probably some good golf still in there for him uh he's just said in the past like i've just got to cut up the mistakes but it wouldn't surprise me even if a guy who's maybe not in great form comes to Blaine, where i think his game his length will really play um and, and he could play well here
2: yeah and you look at this tournament ever since the 3m open was born in in the wake of a great run uh, with, with the PGA champions event that started at Bunker Hills and made the move over to the TPC of the Twin Cities. But to finally get a regular tour event has been a long time coming. But because of where it sits on the schedule in the summer months, it is a challenge to, to get, get great fields in here, uh, especially when you're the week after a major. And that happens to be uh, this week in England.
4: Yeah, and, and the 3M Open has kind of struggled with that. And like the other events after majors this year, a lot of them were almost given like a crutch in that they were elevated events. I think the Travelers Championship after the U.S. Open yep. was made an elevated event, so all the top guys like have to go. Uh, the same thing happened with at uh, Ed, um, at remember, I think the Charles Schwab Challenge, or one of, one of the events um, right after the Masters, elevated event. Uh, so, oh, the RBC Heritage,
2: excuse me. Yep, so, the like, Heritage, camp, yep.
4: Yeah, so the 3M is like on an event who, and yeah, the guys are across the pond. They've got to fly back. Obviously, they provide a charter, but it's still a lot to play in a major, then take a charter and play that next week. Uh, so I think the 3M did pretty well uh, in terms of getting a decent field here with some bigger names. A lot of guys, like 11 of the top 45 in the world are, are going to be here. And, and I do think a big part of it is kind of that, that chase for points here as we head into the playoffs. Like Justin Thomas wants to. You know, get into the playoff. Hideki Matsuyama wants to be in the top fifty so he can get to that second event. Just same with Cameron Young. So there's incentive for guys to get points here
2: before the end of the regular season. So
4: in that way, in that one way, I think uh, the three M Open spot on the schedule helped it out a little bit.
2: Yeah, and the the thing is, Jace, is that uh, not not only is getting into the FedEx Cup playoffs, but the Ryder Cup as well. And there's been a lot of talk about Thomas and. Where he sits right now, not not only in the FedEx Cup playoffs, but you know, is he deserving of that Ryder Cup captain's pick? Uh, he certainly wouldn't qualify on points, and and there's some some drama there. I, I think Thomas not only wants to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs, but wants to make it easy for for the for the captain Zach Johnson, I believe, to to pick him.
4: Yeah, and same for Cameron Young. Uh, he's in the same boat. I think he would like to cement yeah. his spot as well. But, Thomas, you're right. Like I think Zach Johnson wants to take Justin Thomas. Uh, you know The teammates on the Team USA team who are in want Justin Thomas on the team. He's one of their better friends. And like Justin Thomas has a great Ryder Cup track record, but you've got to show some kind of form. Um, so if you don't qualify for the playoffs, and now we're going like a month between the end of your season and the Ryder Cup, Really hard to pick you when you haven't shown a thing. You shot two rounds in the 80s and in the last couple majors here. Like, he's got to show some more signs of life, I think, just to make it even kind of justifiable in Zach Johnson's mind so that Johnson can make the decision that he very likely wants to
2: make. Yeah, when, when he put up that big number in the round uh the first round at Hoy Lake, as you mentioned, he, he did come back and play better on Friday. Now there isn't a ton of pressure. I mean, you know, he was gonna get cut, you know, you know, barring shooting a fifty nine or something crazy like that. So, you know, he it was probably a fairly pressure free second round at Hoy Lake, but nevertheless now now the heat is on him for for him to perform over the final two regular tour events.
4: Yeah, absolutely, and I think if he had it his way, he would play really well at the 3M Open and then take the wind off so that he isn't rolling like four straight events of play right into the playoffs. So I think a lot of pressure on him here in the 3M Open, and and I think that he will like the way that his game fits the course. Um, It definitely is a place where length is key and and can help you a lot and can get you in some good situations. Guys with length have performed really well here. You obviously have to putt because it's kind of a a scoring competition out there, and, and putting has been a... Major Achilles heel of Justin Thomas, but hey, it hasn't always been Tony Finau's strength, and he's found a way to putt here. Um, people talk about how flawless the greens are at TPC Twin Cities, and I do think that helps even bad putters um, perform well uh, or perform better than they usually do on the greens.
2: And and that is another storyline. Tony Finau is a defending champ, and not, not to disparage the the other winners at the 3M Open, but you know to to get a, a big name and and you can put. Finau in that category as your defending champ, that helps as well.
4: Yeah, the biggest thing I think, like, it adds a little bit more credibility to your tour style, Um, and then, like, it guarantees Tony Finau comes back, right? Like, I think that's one of the biggest things. Like, if Tony Finau doesn't win last year here, who knows if he comes back this year. But when you've won at an event, you're likely to come back again and again because you have those good feelings. When you the defending champ, you're almost certainly going to come back. So I think that was a big thing for the 3M Open is that you can put Tony's face all over as the defending champ, um, and then you know Tony's going to be back, making your field stronger and more credible. So I think that was really big for them to have a winner um, that you can like post up as a big name and, and have him all over and really market him, and um, I, I think that helps them quite a bit.
2: I, I think the event, and I think Hollis Cabner, and – um how they how they treat the players and some of the amenities um it, it is a draw as well i i i think the tournament once upon a time the the champions tour event had a really good reputation among the players you you get that sense as well you know and i, I i've talked to people about it you know it it is one of those where it's kind of like yeah they really treat you right they 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 do a great job for for the players and their families
4: Yep, I've heard that from the Champions Tour. I've heard it from the the guys in the PGA Tour. Like, Hall's events, um, you know you're going to, like, all the amenities. You're going to be treated really first class. Like, there's not too many things that go um, unnoticed or, like, untapped into as far as making the player experience enjoyable, carefree, all of that um, when you show up here. So I do think that is something where guys maybe who give it a shot to play here are more likely to come back around because they know they're going to be treated right, their family will be treated right, all of the above. Um, so I do think Hollis Gadner plays a pretty big part in that. And, you know, he recruits pretty hard trying to get the best possible name to you, regardless of his spot on the schedule.
2: Yeah, you know, it was legendary. The arm twisting he would do when it was a a Champions Tour event. You know, he'd really work those guys (laughs) over to get them in here. Some of the stories are are pretty good. Now, about the golf course, Jason, a final thought on that. You know, they, they, they did make some changes. They did make some tweaks. And for me, 18 has turned into a great finishing hole, really as good a finishing hole as there is on tour.
4: Yeah, and I love what they're doing with 18 this year. Not even like, obviously they made the lake bigger, like when they, this became a PGA Tour event, but this year what they did is they, they added like a little bit of a party deck. I think it caps out of like 350 people, but you know, people who pay for like an elevated ticket, um, more of an enhanced ticket that they can go on this party deck and there's like free alcoholic beverages and then there's going to be music playing and whatnot. But the big thing that they're doing next to that is this like, Water ball wall. Um, so every ball that goes in the water on 18, and like there are 67 of them last year, they're hanging a W up on it on this wall. Um, and so, <laughs> and then with every W that's hung, like 12 golf balls get donated to First Team Minnesota. Um, so I, I'm guessing like there are people who will be drinking, and they'll be kind of like waiting to hang the next W. I think you're gonna see something where like bad shots are. Cheered. <laughs> like, I think we're going to see like cheers when guys <laughs> hit the ball in the water. Now I don't think that'll be like in the final group on Sunday at 18 as a guy's trying to win the tournament. But like Thursday, Friday, even Saturday, like I think you'll see like ball goes in the water and some people are out there cheering on the deck because they get to go hang another W. Up. So I think like that's kind of a fun atmosphere thing that a lot of tour events you see them kind of trying to create these featured holes and. Uh, the 3M Open obviously has a a prominent hole in 18, and I think they're just trying to make that even more fun and get fans into it and make it kind of a hot spot for people to go watch golf, and I think that that could be a fun twist this year. We'll see how it catches on, but I'm really interested to see if we see, like, loud ovations or roars or whatever when a ball goes into the water because you do not see that on the PGH Tour.
2: Yeah, and it looks like uh, at least at the beginning of the week it's going to be hot. We'll see how it turns out later in the week. Temps may moderate a little bit, but... uh, Should be an interesting week out there. Jace, look forward to your coverage in the Pioneer Press. Thanks so much, Steve. Have a good one. All right, there he is, Jace Frederick. Uh, He'll be covering the 3M for the Pioneer Press online at TwinCities.com. Joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. We'll take a break. We'll get you up to date on the weather in a moment here on News Talk 830-WCCO.
0: worker of yours
2: Twins and White Sox get back at it tonight. Game two of the three-game series. Uh, the Twins won uh, returning home last night. The final 9-4, to four. they got off to a fast start in the ball game and Cruz to the 9-4 victory. It's been a, sh- a struggle for Chicago. A couple of thoughts on the White Sox. Uh, a year ago going into the season, the thought was that Chicago might be the favorite in the division and Minnesota might uh, be a challenger, and lo and behold, the Cleveland Guardians came through and won the division. Chicago finished second, overcoming a very disappointing start. And of course, the Twins spent a good chunk of the early part of the season in first place before fading to third. This year, the Twins come out of the gate, take over first place, and it has been a struggle for the Chicago White Sox really from the get-go, and Josh Wheeler, I mean, you could argue that for the second year in a row, the Chicago White Sox have been a major disappointment, and and I can't imagine their fans are too happy with the way this ball club is playing.
6: Yeah, I was actually just talking to Lake about this a couple of weeks ago on the show. I I pointed out to him while we were running through some scores in the MLB. I'm like, what what is with the White Sox not being a serious contender in baseball after, you know, basically... Adding a couple key players over the last couple off seasons, and you've pretty much narrowed it down to Tim Anderson with that team as being, I guess, the guy at the helm for that squad. And not nobody has been able to step up for that team to even, you know, make them a serious contender when it goes uh, when it comes to the AL Central. So now you're basically looking at the Guardians and the Twins as the two top dogs, and you know you have teams like Detroit, Chicago, and Kansas City, which Kansas City's not even remotely close to being in the picture, but. You know, you have Detroit and Chicago who are just kind of swimming in the middle, no, no really serious threat to this Twins ball club.
2: Yeah, and it, we knew it would be a struggle for Kansas City in this division, not not quite as much of a struggle as it's turned out to be. They're just dreadful, and and the Twins have just dominated Kansas City this year. We, we know what they were able to do in Oakland and taking care of business with the A's, so the Twins have really been able to mop up on the bottom feeders. But, you know, Chicago's struggle is, is an eye-opener, and what, what happened a year ago was just carried over into this year, and they've, they've got to be very disappointed because they, they they generally have had an owner that's it been been willing to spend some money and put a competitive product on the field because they're always, you know, fighting that team for headlines on the Norris side, the Cubs. And, and certainly the Cubs have been no great shakes since winning that world championship. But the Twins did get it going, and we all know what a struggle it's been for Byron Buxton. But he got off to a great start last night, ended up hitting two home runs, and of course, a big blow, a three run shot coming in inning uh, number two.
4: The stretch and the pitch, a swing to line drive, left center field. Robert going back, he will turn. That one is beyond home run, Byron Buxton. A line drive homer to the bullpen area in left center field. There's the big swing as the buck truck is off and running tonight. And the Twins have a 5-1 lead here in the opening inning.
2: Yeah, I I mentioned second inning. All this fireworks coming in the first. Corey Provis on the call last night. And that that was huge for Byron Buxton because he he was out of the lineup uh, uh, on the road trip getting a breather. And I've said this sitting in for for Henry Lake on the Lake Show on a weeknight and even even on Saturdays, Carlos Correa and, and Byron Buxton have to be going right if this team is going to reach its potential offensively, and and it's been a well-documented struggle for those two guy, key guys in this lineup, and, and Josh, they absolutely positively need a productive Byron Buxton if they're going to get to where they want to be, and that is not only win this division, but have a chance in the postseason.
6: I yeah, I I get the excitement with how Buxton performed yesterday. That's about what we expect, <laughs> I, I guess, on a grander fashion from Byron Buxton offensively. But yeah, I'm just hoping this wasn't like a one time thing, and then we're going to go uh, going to go back to being you know twelve for forty three over the next uh, you know handful like next few weeks of games that we have for Byron Buxton and I think if anybody was due for an offensive outburst like yesterday it for sure was him and then you had help from Ryan Jeffers and others uh, throughout yesterday beating up on bad teams which this Twins club has not really done a whole lot of great job of doing this year as far as beating the bad teams but if you're going to beat somebody it better be the White Sox
2: yeah, and th- there's no doubt Alex Kirilov stepped up last night. You, you you mentioned Jeffers. Um, the this lineup though, throughout the course of the year, and everybody knows this, they've been getting good starting pitching. There's been some ups and downs in the bullpen, but just about every bullpen in the big leagues can say that. That the 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 problem has been that the consistency from this lineup and you know just getting some consistency out of Byron Buxton two home run night is great you're happy for the guy um it it, it came in a big spot in a blowout win over a division rival but but now you want to avoid the the 0 for 20 the the 0 for 25 that that have been all too frequent uh just making consistent contact putting the ball in play uh, driving in uh, runs uh, in in big spots. That's what they need out of Correa and and Buxton in particular. And once you get from the rounds to the lineup, a, a young guy like Alex Kirloff who's battled his share of injuries, there's been some good signs there. Another guy that that you got to mention is is Max Kepler has been better. He was one of these guys that you, you could make the case that. If the Twins would have released him, um, could you have blamed them for what he was going through early in the season? I mean, there there's no doubt if if a player can be on the hot seat, it was Max Kepler because his his performance at the plate left a lot to be desired. But he has been better as of late, and and they're definitely going to need that because I I think the the starting pitching over the first half. That that may return more to the mean. Um, will, will it be that lights out? Will it be that dominant? Uh, Sonny Gray hasn't been quite as good as he was earlier in the year. So so that may even out a little bit. So if, if the Twins are going to get to where they want to be, and, and there's no doubt th- this division is there to be taken. And as we close in on that trade deadline, that brings up another interesting point. You know, should Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, and the Twins be buyers at the deadline and maybe try and add a bat to this lineup, try and add something uh, to this team or, or add a couple of things to this team and, and maybe go all in on this club with the idea that not only they can win the division, but, you know, could could they get hot in the postseason and do some damage? That's the next big question to be answered over the next week or 10 days, in my opinion, you know, what, what do they do and and do they add to this team and try and make a push and and get over the top?
6: Yeah, and it's kind of that weird thing where you don't know. Like When you look at the grand scheme of this lineup and this roster that the Twins do have, you kind of have to wonder, do we really need another hit? We have Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, and Jorge Polanco, which, you know, all 3
2: have been well, very much Well, the ad Alex Kirilov who's yeah, correct. been pretty good. I'd,
6: yeah, if, and you got to wonder if maybe you should just if you really need to add another bat maybe just to provide some sort of spark to this offense. It's obviously whatever they have have had going before, you know, this recent outburst of offense is not doing it for them. So you got to kind of wonder like what maybe do you need to plug into this lineup to try and get things, you know, in back in motion the way they should be. They I'll say I've said it once and I'll say it again. This team should still be like close to ten games above five hundred with the lineup they have. That's just my opinion. I, I feel like this offense is this has been one of the biggest under underperformance wise seasons, I guess, for lack of a better grammar, by this twins lineup and I think maybe just adding an extra spark to the lineup for once you don't have to add pitching. Just add something as far as hitting goes and you might be oh. good.
2: Yeah, I, I I think going out and finding a veteran bat could could do wonders for for this lineup. I I think there's a lot of people that may want to point to the Shannon Stewart trade of of 20 years ago, and and Shannon Stewart was an accomplished outfielder and and really gave this team a lift. It's been that long. It's been 20 years, but I I I would be an advocate of a veteran bat. You know, kind of a put the ball in play leadership guy that you can plug in. Maybe doesn't play every day, even in a pinch hitting role. But I, I, I think adding something to this lineup, adding something that Ron Baldelli and company can can go to in ball games, or or depending on pitching at uh, matchups. You know, uh, another right handed bat somewhere in this lineup. But but I think there is something on that to do list, and hopefully the Twins. Uh, continue to move toward buy mode as they approach uh, the trade deadline. Yeah, we're going to take and a break. Also,
6: oh. Real quick also, Steve, uh, for those that are clamoring for it, no, we're not going after Nelson Cruz. We are not going to sign Nelson Cruz to a contract. He's still a free agent, and obviously if the struggling San Diego Padres couldn't afford to keep him or didn't want to keep him due to performance, uh don't give me the nostalgia piece. The Twins are not going to go out and pursue somebody like Nelson Cruz and bring him back for this feel-good story. It's not going to spark anything in this offense at this moment if Carlos Correa uh, is not even hitting the way he should. So uh, I'm sure I'm going to get a text or two on the line because I have in the past few weeks on the Lake Show. Uh, Why don't we go out and get Nelson Cruz? No, that's not, that's not going to happen. That should not happen.
2: <laughs> well, and, you know, and then on the flip side – well well why, why don't the twins go out and you know try and trade for otani okay,
6: yeah let's put <laughs> put down the controller, turn off, and we'll be the show. We're not getting otani on the twins,
2: yeah, um, and there's been a lot of talk about that we will well, he he uh move on before the deadline and I, I i still think is this off season looms what you know what is a guy like that gonna get? is he gonna get a half a billion dollars he could. He he could command that kind of money uh, from his new team in the off season. All right, quick break. We'll come back. We'll we'll talk more about this homestand that's getting started. Uh, once again, Twins and White Sox tonight at Target Field. Uh, our lineup card at five thirty tonight, and then of course first pitch scheduled at six ten. Here on News Talk eight three zero WCCO Twins and Sox game two cease against Gray tonight. Just after 6 o'clock, lineup card at 5.30. Uh, Twins won game one. Byron Buxton got it going. We heard the three-run shot early. He did hit another home run in the ballgame.
3: Hit in the air, left field well. Ben Attendee back, looks up.
6: Get out of here. A
2: two-homer
6: night for Byron Buxton. Six to one, Twins.
2: And then of course, so the manager Rob Cabaldelli, post game after a nine four win, was asked about Buxton's night. I bet it
4: felt really good. Um, I mean, the first ball he hit was was like a torpedo uh, heading out in that direction. Um, can't can't hit a baseball very much harder than that. A really impressive day for him. He's been putting in a lot of work, and to see the fruits. I mean, that's. Uh, that's why you spend all the time thinking about it and working on it, and um, uh, he was a big reason why we won the game today, obviously, so a great day all the way around.
2: Yeah, it's great for Byron Buxton. It has been a struggle. Twins three games over after the 9-4 victory. Ryan, the win. Old friend Lance Lynn, the loss, 6-9. and nine. His ERA over 6. it uh, looked cooked in the game last night. Alex Kirilov had a big game, a couple of hits, 4 RBI in his own right, so Karloff and Buxton account for eight of the nine runs. The other RBI, Ryan Jeffers, he went deep in the ballgame last night. Twins win. A couple of notes about uh, the game tonight. A good pitching matchup with with Gray against Cease. Um, The back-to-school backpack, the first 5,000 fans, 12 and under, receive a back-to-school backpack presented by Target. And, by the way, it's University of Minnesota night tonight at the ballpark of the Twins and the White Sox. We have the news and weather in a moment. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough
4: to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.